is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 63, everyone, operating on February 8th, 2021. This is Drew and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Doug. We're two av geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Happy Monday, everyone. Drew and I love airports. We recently had our friend airport ops supervisor, Francis, from upstate New York on the show. We're staying with the airport theme and moving to the Midwest this week with our VIP guest today. Her name is Jen. She works in airport finance, overseeing three airports, servicing airlines, cargo, and general general aviation. You may know her from Twitter as at Jen underscore Niffer. That's N-I-F-F-E-R. She also writes about her airport adventures on her website, talesfromtheterminal.com. Welcome, Jen. How was your week? Hello. My week was good. How about you guys? Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, you're welcome. Um, let me talk about my week. My week was good. It was quiet. And of course, second, second week in a row, I scored because on my day off, there's a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so, going to say, let me guess. You didn't have to work the snow, did you? I didn't have to work the snow. And usually yeah. on the last episode, I was telling Doug, the planning is worse than the actual event, right? Yeah. But last night, the planning was fine because we just go through. We've already done the drill. The, the first snowstorm is the worst because everyone's rusty at it. So last night, I'm right. All right. How many DIS trucks? Five. Okay. How many pads you got? Okay, good. How many broom trucks? Check, 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 check. So it's all the same as the last time. So it was easy. Well, and, and the guys who are working today saw your plan last week. And so they're in there today. And they're like, oh, this was Drew's plan from last week. Very little yeah. has changed. Yes. Yeah, um, you know, it's cookie cutter. So just do the same thing. You guys will be fine. Um, Doug, how's your week? It was good. I had my evaluation on Tuesday. Everything went well relatively easy and I, I know i texted you and i said this is the the first time ever in my career that i wasn't nervous going into my evaluation which then made me nervous because it was like <laughs> i feel like i'm missing something i feel like i'm not i'm not doing something that i should be but it, it went really well so i had a, another year another year of being qualified to fly the kc-10 i mean this was my first flight in the airplane since the end of december because i i had multiple covid quarantines and a couple trips in there so i went into my eval after not having flown for five weeks, six weeks, I think. And mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't nervous for it. So I'm, I'm at that point in my career where I can go several weeks in between and not worry about it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. So Jen, you are a recent convert from civilian to AvGeek. First of all, welcome to the AvGeek safe space here at the next Yay. trip. <laughs> Tell us how you got here and what you do behind the scenes to keep our airports running. Yeah, sure. So how I got here growing up, I really never considered a career in aviation. I always was fascinated by aviation, but uh, never ever considered a career in it. My family, not big aviation people, it just never dawned on me that aviation was, uh, you know, a space that I could get into. My degrees in psychology, I worked in education for many years. And um about uh, eight years ago, I found myself working in accounting at McDonald's Corporation, and uh, it's a great place to work, but I just was sitting there one day thinking, you know, I have zero interest in the restaurant business. What am I doing here? <laughs> and I wish I could work for an industry that I'm interested in. So I thought, well, what, what industry are you interested in? I'm interested in aviation, but 
I'm not a pilot, not a flight attendant, I'm not an air traffic controller. So what space could there be for me in aviation? And then just by chance, I was looking through uh, the internet that we had at work at McDonald's and I stumbled across their aviation department. Mm. And lo and behold, one of the uh, personnel listed as part of the aviation department was an accountant. And the light bulb went off and it dawned on me that, oh my gosh, yeah, I can. I can work in aviation. So right then and there, I made a list of all the aviation companies in the area. And I just kept watching and applying and watching and applying. And finally, something came open at the airport. And Mm. here I am. As for what I do, I pay the bills. And I also send out invoices and collect money from airlines, from tea hanger tenants, Mm -hmm. from the rental cars, commissions from the various vendors at the airport, things like that. So do you have to go, you oversee three, do you have to go back and forth between the three or can you do it remotely for the most part? No. So my office is located at the passenger airport. There's no real need for me to go to the other two. I like to go to the other <laughs> two. I especially like to go to the the cargo airport because that's where all of the seven uh, the seven forty sevens come in there. The Antonov goes in there. There's a lot of interesting, cool big airplanes. So I love visiting there. But my office is at the passenger airport, and that's where I am most of the time now. During the pandemic, I've been doing two days at the office and then three days from the home office. Mm. Jen, you actually, you said you have a degree that has nothing to do with aviation. Exactly. You, yeah. you actually <laughs> have the perfect degree for aviation. You have a degree uh, in psychology. Yeah. So Doug and I come from, right? Doug and I come yeah. from aviation background. So when I'm at work, I'm not dealing with the second stage compressor of a Rolls Royce to... No, I'm dealing with people's emotions and feelings mm-hmm. and trying to get convince them to do things. So... You actually have the perfect degree for aviation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 psychology was interesting. I enjoyed it. But pretty quickly, I learned that the fastest way to go crazy is attempt to sort out other people's crazy. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> I, uh, I bailed out of that. No, no offense to all of the wonderful psychologists <laughs> and therapists out there. You're good people. Uh, I just don't. I just don't have it. I don't have what it takes. So. I'll hide over here in the numbers. Yeah. Um, I like to say I'm I'm not an accountant, but I play one at the airport because it gets me close to the airplanes, which is where I like to be. Yeah. Well, this is a good transition because uh, there's something else that gets you close to the airplanes. So we're gonna we're gonna do a little warm up before we get yeah. on to the news. We always ask our guests what their favorite aviation moment was, and Drew said you had several memorable moments. So can you pick one or two to share with us? And then Drew has a question about getting closer to airplanes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, I could, I could go on all day about, you know, my favorite or most memorable moment. I've got, I've, I picked out two for you. One of them involves working at the airport and the other one's a travel related one. So the working at the airport one, when uh, Delta first bought their 350s, uh, they were flying them around as part of training and getting the pilots uh, familiar with the planes. And they flew into uh, my airport and the folks in operations know me and they uh, stopped by my desk and said, Hey, A350s come in. You want to come out on the airfield and watch it land? <laughs> oh my gosh, do I? Are you kidding me? So we got to go out there and watch it land from the taxiway and uh, then, ta- uh, you know, drive on over and it, Parked for a little bit while they reconfigured and got ready for the next leg of their flight and then got to drive out and watch it take off. So just getting to be out on the airfield and 
look up at all of the plane spotters way up there on the garage (laughs) (laughs) down here. (laughs) Um, So that was cool. Um, So my other story is a travel related story. It relates back to when I worked in education. Uh, The company that I worked for had a really big meeting once a year where everybody would come in from all the different franchises from all over the world. And they usually would have it someplace tropical, some kind of resort. And I want to say it was 99 or 2000. It was definitely before 9-11 happened. Uh, The meeting was in Jamaica. And at that time, you could bring, you could travel just using your birth certificate to Jamaica. But they told us, uh, hey, we need you to bring passports. Okay, whatever. So we all went to Jamaica for this meeting. And as we arrived and we're checking in, uh, they took our passports. Hmm. A little weird, but okay. Um, So we're looking at the schedule for the meeting and we notice that the meeting has, you know, every day there's a bunch of sessions that you're attending. Well, the session stopped at noon on Friday and didn't resume until noon on Saturday. So there's this 24-hour period where there's nothing scheduled. Hmm. And we're all like, that's weird. What's going on? Well, Friday at noon... They brought us all together and into a big meeting and they said, okay, we're handing you a plane ticket. We're going to the airport. So everybody (laughs) grab your plane ticket, get on the bus. Wow. We grab our plane tickets and we get on the bus and we're all looking at our tickets. There's no destination. There's (laughs) a flight number, Mm -hmm. but it does not say where we're going. And in those days, you didn't have flight aware. You couldn't Google your flight number and find (laughs) out where you're going. Uh, So we thought, all right, fine. When we get to the airport, we'll just check the monitor. Get to the airport and we look at the monitor and it says Turks and Caicos. And then it changes and it says Havana. And then it changes and it says Dominica. And Hmm. then it changed and it just kept changing, changing, changing. So we're like, okay, we have no idea where we're going. So it's time to get on the plane. And there's actually two big 737s sitting out on the ramp. And um, I'm climbing up onto this airplane and thinking, I'm about to get on this airplane and I have no earthly clue where I am going. (laughs) None of us have any idea where we're going. And we asked the flight attendants and they're like, we don't know. We (laughs) hope it's someplace fun. Which airline is this? It it was a charter. Okay. So we take off and the pilots are playing along like, wow, we're just going to cruise around for an hour and a half. We'll see where we end up. Well, when we landed, we're all like pressed up against the windows trying, where are we? Where are we? We were in Panama. Wow. Um, So they, you know, they taxied over and took us to a gate. And as we're getting off the plane, I'm thinking, I don't have my passport. None of us have our passports. They took our passports and we don't have our passports. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Well, what happened was we just walked right through. We were met by some people. We walked right through the terminal, no customs, nothing. And we got onto a bunch of open air buses, each of which had a mariachi band in the back. Hmm. And they took us to the canal and they put us on a party boat. And we took the party boat up and down the canal and then we reversed it and we got back to Jamaica at like two in the morning. Wow. And on the last day of of the conference, we got our passports back and there was a stamp in there from... Uh, Panama, Hmm. Um, but just getting on an airplane and having absolutely no clue where you're going. That is awesome. That's a little (laughs) much for me. I mean, I'm kind of a control Uh, freak, so I kind of have to, I need to have some kind of expectation. Doug, would you, how would you feel about it? I would do it. No, I would do it. I, I, normally I am a control freak, but it's something Mm -hmm. like this. If you're, if Mm -hmm. you're, 
if your company is right. is handling it, taking care of it, just go with the flow. <clears throat> yeah, that would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I was I, I'm not a control freak, but I, you know, I was a little concerned. Like where where are, you know, I w- I was worried that we were going to Cuba, which there's nothing wrong with going to Cuba except at that time it wasn't legal to mm-hmm. go to Cuba. And I just I had just had a baby a few months before and I just kept thinking, you know, what if something happens? Am I going to be right. able to get back? Yeah, that's a little So much. they were, I was finally able to get them to tell me we weren't going to Cuba. <laughs> and they wouldn't tell me where we were going. So it was definitely a real surprise to probably everybody but the pilots and the flight attendants. When what we a cool story. Yeah. Um, all right, Jen. So I was going to ask you about the strange fixation with uh, stair trucks, but I'm going to save that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm going to save that because we have a whole thing on airport vehicles, which I just yeah, watched that video again. So okay. stay, everyone stay for that part. I but um, I want to ask you, so do you know Francis from uh, Albany? I do. I do know Francis. Yeah. Okay. So Doug and I are a little concerned because you guys, <laughs> you guys are av geeks, right? Yeah. But you're not that into the flying part of it as much as Doug and I are. What, am I on the right track? Like the experience of flying. The experience. I enjoy flying. I don't get that many opportunities to do it. Do I want to be a pilot? No. I feel like the skies are probably safer if I'm not in them (laughs) (laughs) at the controls of an airplane. I have people who've been desperately trying to talk me into getting my license. And I might someday. I might pursue that. But now, I guess you're right. For me, it's 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 the activity at the airport. It's every airport is different and you never know what you're going to see and no day is ever the same. And it's just the things that go on. I've, I just, it's so fascinating to me and I'm so excited to be able to see it. Well, you could, you could, you could take any airport and make it into a reality TV show. Just a a (laughs) regular days, you know, at the airport, you know, no, that's true. You totally could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I sent you that picture drew from the sky club at Detroit that overlooks the shopping mall area Right. And I, and I said, we have to get here. We could do our wine tasting, our club wine tasting, Shopping. and just watch people walk by. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that would be just as exciting as anything else we'd be doing in the airport. Yeah. We talk yeah. a lot about airlines and airplanes, not enough about airports. And we love airports. So this is, yeah, this is a topic we're going to come back to again. In yeah. the- All right. Well, you know, after Drew did a whole segment on baggage containers, I never looked at them the same way. So we're going to add stair trucks to that after we get to it here, Mm -hmm. because we've been talking, we've been talking about (laughs) stair trucks. We're going to get to this. I guarantee you guys, this is going to be a great discussion. And I've got some, some thoughts about this as well, but let's, let's get some work done first. And we're going to talk some news briefs and then we'll hear more about tales from the terminal with Jen. Drew. Doug and I have been talking about masks for months now, right? I mean, since COVID and the Mm -hmm. importance of wearing it um, and traveling safely that way. So this story is from Insider. It was previously Business Insider. Now they're known as Insider. TSA will now require travelers to wear face masks in airport in airports and on planes. As uh, effective February 2nd, TSA is requiring passengers to wear masks at checkpoints and uh, during travel. The agency is following mandates from the president and the CDC. Those do not comply will be denied travel and may face civil penalties. Airlines have already banned thousands of customers for not wearing masks with United and Delta alone banning up to uh, 500 as of uh, this week. Um, How do you guys feel about this being a law now? Because it's my office and when when I'm working, I have no choice but to go through the terminal. And so things being what they are, I prefer 
to see people wearing masks. Uh, before this became a federal thing, I want to say there's maybe 80% co uh, compliance. I don't know, Drew, mm. if you see the same thing. I'm seeing on. a hundred, Jen, I'm seeing a hundred percent at DC. hundred percent. Okay. And you have yeah. been even before. So <clears throat> yes. I feel like since this became a federal thing, the compliance has gotten better, which is, which is good. But you know, there are a whole lot of people who have to to be there. It's their job. Mm -hmm. And if for no other reason than to be respectful of the people who are working in the industry, uh, you know, I like to see mass compliance. It's not hard. It's really not. Just do it. I think it finally adds teeth to the people who work at the airport for right. their career. I actually had that written down. Okay. Yeah. yeah be because prior to that, uh, all you could say was, well, I think you should wear this or, or right. the airline is telling you to wear this. And so this, this then gives that, that ability for people, for the crews, for the people at the airport to say you're breaking federal mandates, just like smoking on an airplane, just like not wearing your seatbelt, things like that. It's it's yeah. it's a safety thing at this point. And I, I saw an article a couple of weeks ago. I was trying to find it this morning. I couldn't find it again. Ed Bastian at Delta. Delta's banned uh, over a thousand people now at this point. And Ed Bastian made a comment about they may never be allowed to fly Delta again. Oh wow! And I know okay, Drew. So that's yeah. I know you. You and I have talked about this. Like. Is this a temporary ban? Is this a permanent mm -hmm. ban? Is this like the the no fly thing? And he was he was alluding to the fact that no decision has been made, but he's leaning towards mm -hmm. they're never allowed to fly Delta again. Well, that's interesting because so that, um, that shows some the severity said, of this. Yeah, yeah. Some airlines have said you're banned until the the pandemic ends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know, when it I I work for an airline, and I gotta say that it's not a hard decision for me if I have to get involved in a mask controversy where someone doesn't want to make wear a mask because really it's our responsibility to protect our other customers mm -hmm. that are wearing masks and our crews mm -hmm. there's really no confusion it's a zero tolerance and I'm happy to say you know Doug you know I've told you like early on months ago we used to have a couple of these every week mm -hmm. right where we'd bring a plane back yeah now it's, it's so rare because people are with the program now yeah yeah exactly all right, moving on to a little bit more fun topic. This was re first reported in Forbes. New JetBlue Mint and Mint Studio business class seats are revealed. JetBlue was all economy before they introduced their Mint business class product for the Transcons in 2013. This new Mint product will be found on their new A321 XLRs, which are going to launch service to London supposedly later this year. The XLRs will have 24 seats in a 1-1 configuration with seats angled away from the window. Among the decor touches, which JetBlue refers to as residential, it'll be flannel covered privacy dividers, wood grain table patterns, textured concrete lampshades, and mood lighting. Concrete, Drew, that doesn't sound very light to me. Yeah, textured concrete. Yeah, it doesn't I thought sound the very same light. thing. Yeah. I was like, "What?" I was yeah, that, my head be, on yeah. That. Well, we'll have to try it and see. But the new product yeah. will also be seen on some flights to LAX starting this summer. Jen, I know that you don't care too much about the <laughs> the product or the the in service piece. So let, let's start with you, and then Drew and I. We've been texting about this. I, I know we we've got some we've thoughts. got we've got. I think we thoughts. need to take Jen. We need to take Jen on a business class trip. You know, with all the bells and whistles, so she'll be oh, hooked. Yeah. Right? yeah, I would love that. <laughs> you know, at the airport person in me, um, obviously, wants this to be successful. I want all the airlines to be successful in their endeavors um, because the airports, you know, we need the airlines. Now, JetBlue is not an airline that I'm familiar with. 
in terms of it doesn't fly to any of the airports that I'm involved with. But, you know, I guess my biggest question is just the timing. That sounds Hmm. to me like it's something catering more to business travelers. And we know right now there just aren't very many business travelers. So I'll be curious to see uh, exactly when they choose to roll this out. If their thinking is, you know, as uh, more and more vaccines are, are, are coming out and people are getting vaccinated. Is the thinking that that business travel going to come back this summer? I mean, it Hmm. sounds like that's what they think. So I'll be curious to see. Exactly what you said. Is this a gamble during pro- uh, this slump in travel, or are they getting their product ready so that when we do come back, they'll be there with, you know, a cutting edge product? So this route from London to New York, New York to London, they're going to be competing with, think Doug, five other carriers: mm-hmm. There's Virgin, American, United, Delta, British Airways. But it is one of the most profitable markets in the world as far as routes um doug and i did a whole story on this british airways made a billion dollars in profit just on that route from the route alone yeah yeah now um i have some concerns about this product yeah <laughs> my it, it looks nice it looks very comfy but they made two av geek no-nos <laughs> two major av geek no-nos on the design the seats are facing away from the windows yeah no yes who yeah. does that right so you're constantly having to like turn around and know, look back yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about facing the aisle, you just seem so exposed, right? But they do have a little a divider, divider. Uh, yeah. A little door, right? Mm-hmm. So that's good. My other concern was that the screen gets stowed away and I want to be able to use my screen from takeoff to landing, mm-hmm. like most business class products. Our buddy Tom Polini did an article on this recently since we did this and he tested the whole product. I guess they had a, a model of it. Mm-hmm. Apparently the screen can be uh extended even during takeoff and landing oh so good. good okay yeah did, did did he talk about the seats were the seats narrow because to me the the pictures looks like it was it was kind of tight the, the way yeah. that it was it was tight in there no he didn't he didn't no. mention okay. whether it was narrow you know otherwise other than the seats facing away from the window it, it looks good it did look a little claustrophobic i haven't been on it so i can't really say for sure yeah what do you think doug well it, it so it's a it's a herringbone seat the reverse herringbone is one that faces the window I was reading on airliners.net, there was a a big 200 some post discussion about people talking about this. Most people were saying, it doesn't matter if it's facing the window or not, I'm gonna close the shade as soon as I get in and I'm not gonna open it until I land. And most people on airliners.net were agreeing with that. And they're like, and they were even complaining about people who, oh, if you're in business class, you shouldn't be the one person to open the window to look out. It's clouds Mm -hmm. or it's ground, you've seen it before. Yeah, which to me, it's like, who who are these people who are who are saying that? <laughs> definitely not people that we have on our show. Definitely not most of our listeners. I feel yeah. like I apologize if I'm offending anyone. <laughs> if if that's how you feel, but but you know that Drew and I are, are very much window shades open. Look out the window. The shade is yours. You own it. And yeah. do I get mad when someone opens up the window shade mid flight? No, I don't, because that that's how it used to be. It, it used mm-hmm. to be. You open up the window shade, you look out, and then you close it. Don't be the person who keeps it open the whole time. But right. no, so the the herringbone, that that definitely doesn't make sense to me. I totally agree, though, Jen, with what you said. Uh, and, and Drew, you kind of mentioned this, too. I think JetBlue is pos- position, positioning themselves to be ready to go when there's a recovery, even if it's not this year, mm. even if it's not next year. Because look at Delta, look at United. They're rolling out new products. Delta's right. oh. putting new Delta One product in United's putting the new Polaris in. So JetBlue, <laughs> even though the mint product is only eight years old, 
it is a little bit outdated at this point, so they have to catch up. But at yeah. the same time, if JetBlue is able to get ahead of Delta and United in upgrading their cabins on both Delta and United, when you book a flight, it'll tell you whether it's the new or the old interior when you book. But mm. then that doesn't mean that that's the airplane you're going to get when you show up. So for right, instance, when I did that flight from Houston to Newark a couple months ago, when I booked it, it was the old Polaris seat. When I got to the airport and got on the plane, it was the new Polaris seat, mm. which I was happy about. It could have been the opposite, though. Could've it could have gone from the old to the new. So if JetBlue is able to roll these out when the airplanes are essentially sitting on the ground waiting to be delivered, then when, when the recovery comes, and it will come, we've been saying this, now all of a sudden JetBlue can jump up and down and say, we have a guaranteed product because we have enough airplanes. You're, you're not going to have this. I wonder which product is going to show up. Well, also, so in Tom's article, he he mentions that they you'll start seeing this plane on the LA flights in June, so they can try it out, and then you know they'll have um, some planes with this um, cutting edge product just uh, coast to coast too. So we're really excited about this next story. So this uh, this is from Aviation Week. Boeing is said to be evaluating new twin aisle program with an emphasis on twin aisle. Aviation Week reported on February 2nd that Boeing is in the early stages of developing a plane to compete with Airbus's A321XLR. And then, um, well, I got to explain A321XLR real quick. So that's um, Airbus's new product coming out shortly. It is an A321 extra long range. So this plane can fly from New York all the way to Rome. So it's uh, groundbreaking that way. It's kind of a replacement for the International 757s that the airlines used to fly across the Atlantic. This plane is dubbed the Dash 5X and will be based on the NMA, which is the new mid-market airplane that Boeing had on the drawing board in 2019. Aviation Week says that the Dash 5X will be a twin aisle that seats 250 to 275 passengers with a range of 5,000 nautical miles. It would be a replacement for the 757 200 and 300 in Boeing's product lineup. The aircraft is expected to have 50,000-pound thrust engines made by General Electric and Pratt & Whitney. Boeing is focused on a twin-aisle design that could be developed for single-aisle production costs. So pretty cool. What do you guys think? Sounds great. I'm all for new airplanes, but I would just say, you know, whatever Boeing's doing, they just need to make sure they get it right. Uh, given what's happened recently with the Max, um, they just they can't afford they can't afford to get it wrong. So I hope they're just doing their due diligence, thinking it through and making sure that whatever they come up with is going to meet the market needs and, you know, have all the safety that it needs to have. Drew, a lot of things stood out to me and I know I texted you this week. So let's, let's go through these. The first thing is the wide body, the, the twin aisle. Mm -hmm. It's got, it's, it's got to be cargo, right? It, it's got to mm -hmm. be yep. that, that width. And that's part of the reason why they're doing it because if they're trying to be, the A321 XLR killer, the way the A321 has been for the yep. 757, 737, mm -hmm. Boeing has to one-up Airbus and say, look, for the same economics or just a little bit more per unit cost, because it's mm -hmm. probably going to be a heavier airplane, or maybe not because the A321 is still aluminum. Boeing could make this as a composite airplane like the 787, get the weight down to about the same as what mm -hmm. the A321 is. And by the way, you can carry a lot more cargo, which right. that's the winner right now in COVID. And who knows what it's going to be going forward. We, we talk about it, what 50% or more of the world's cargo is carried by commercial airplanes. Commercial airplanes, yeah. And, and enter this new Dash 5X wide body can carry mm -hmm. more cargo than the 321. Next thing I want to bring up, 
the engines. Boeing yes. is not going with Rolls Royce because Boeing has had issues oh, with right. the Rolls Royce on the 787. And so I, I think that Boeing is, is finally saying, you know what? We had a lot of 787 issues with, with your engines. We're mm. only going GE and Pratt and Whitney. I, I don't know if that's the reason, but that, that was one thing that kind of, kind of stood out to me. I don't want to take Jen through a rabbit hole, but has Boeing ever used Rolls Royce engines other than on the 787? I don't think so. With Rolls uh, no, no, I think they did Rolls Royce on the 75, 76, and uh, yes, and did. the 74. Yep. Because I think um, that's right. I think BA had them on the 74. Yep. The RB2 so th this could be this could be the end of the the Rolls Royce Boeing partnership uh, until Rolls Royce figures out what's going on. And yep. then the final thing I, I want to bring up. Boeing is saying it's a 752-753 replacement. They didn't mm -hmm. say anything about the 767. That's weird. Yeah, because it's a wide body. It's a wide body that seats more than what the 76 seats. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Maybe they're planning on keeping the 76 in some form. But um, you know, you talked about an A321 killer, and I didn't really think about the cargo, but you're you you're right. But the other thing is if they can make this for the same cost or the same weight or similar weight to an A321 XLR, that's an A321 beater because you have mm -hmm. a wide body product, which customers prefer. The airlines mm -hmm. love it because you can board faster. And then the cargo that you mentioned. One yeah. other note before we move on, the A321 XLR has a 4,700 nautical mile range, which is mm -hmm. awesome. It can go from New York, not just to London, it can go all the way to Rome with mm -hmm. that range. Yeah. This new product from Boeing, the Dash 5X, probably going to be the 797, right? Let's just say. Most likely, yeah. 5,000 nautical mile range. And just a fun fact before we leave this, do you know, do you guys know what the range was of the first 747s? 4,000 something, right? Yeah, 4,624. So mm -hmm. the first 747s had less range than the A321 XLR, <laughs> if you can believe that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking this up right now because I totally forgot. We talked about this, Drew, the entry into service. Typically, the entry into service for an airplane, I think is like eight years, they say, eight years or, or more from original discussion, discussion yeah. like this to drawing board to getting entered into service. Boeing is saying they expect this by 2026. That's only five years away, which means that a lot of the NMA design they've been working on for the last two right. years is, is going to play into it's this. Gonna be, so, Boeing, so it's not a white sheet. No. So I, I mentioned this to you. I said, I think that, that Boeing is a lot farther along in this process than they are publicly admitting if they're expecting an entry into service by 2026. Okay. And everything that we're seeing with the recovery saying maybe 2024, 2025, when we're back to 2019 levels, that is the perfect time for a new airplane like this to be coming into service. Yeah, good point. A year, a year after we get back to 2019 levels, I feel like airlines are going to be finally in a position where they can order them. They can either making a little bit more money or they're starting to make money. Mm. The industry is rebounding. This is going to be perfect timing. I, I think Boeing is, is really going to get this right. And like Jen said, they have to. Boeing has to nail this one. Now, I want to ask Jen, and, and I agree, no no cutting corners on this because they've been burned with this max, you know, that really affected their credibility. Jen, so this is a wide body versus a narrow body. So if you were a customer, if you were a passenger, would that make a difference on what you chose to fly across the Atlantic? Yeah, if you're going to fly across the Atlantic, you're going to want to be on whatever is going to be the most comfortable for you. Um, and wide body is probably going to give you a little bit more space, and that's important on the longer flights. Okay. All right, let's get to this fun that we had talked about at the top of the show, especially the air trucks. We're really excited to, or the air stairs, really excited to talk about that. 
Jen, you have some fun articles on your website, talesfromtheterminal.com. Let's take a look at a couple. Drew, I think you've got the first one. Yeah, so <laughs> these, <laughs> these articles were so fun to read because you paint this rosy picture of these oh, jobs, Jen, and I've done most I of these know. jobs. <laughs> I know, I see, knew. <laughs> you're seeing the fun part, but um, okay, so you, you definitely have a romantic view of how working on the <laughs> ramp is. Tell us which jobs you'd like to do, and I'll tell you a few uh, stories from real life. <laughs> okay, so I have a silly view, not not a romantic view, I wouldn't say a silly <laughs> view. And I think somewhere in there, I put the caveat in that I know that it's harder and a lot more work. And there are a lot of challenges. But if I could pick out any little piece of the work on the ramp to do that looked like fun, uh, I think I said marshalling airplanes, because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. you know, Getting to tell people where to go. With the Um, lightsabers. With the lightsabers, (laughs) exactly. Uh, I don't think anybody in their right minds would let me have a pair of marshalling wands. I notice they keep those pretty... Under lock and key, they're like, oh my God, there she is. Don't, don't go near accounting with those things. <laughs> don't go near account. <laughs> uh, yeah, the um, office that I'm in, the uh, we've got gates right outside. We're on the ground levels. So we've got gates right outside our, uh, our office. And, uh, you know, I get to see all the equipment sitting out there. And I uh, get to nice front seat view watching the planes coming in and going out can we stop on the mar- can we just stop on the marshaller one yeah absolutely because the marshaller you're saying the fun part right i used to right. love marshaling the planes in sure. i even had a whole move that i did i mean it was fun but <laughs> after you marshal that plane in jen <laughs> yeah i know there's 200 to 300 bags that have to come off i know and if it's hard times like in oakland in 1992 working for america west I would be marshaling the plane in and then taking a cart of bags, sometimes 150 off a 757 yeah. and offloading them myself. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. why am I doing this for $8 an hour again? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And because planes, Drew, because planes. Were you oh, no, using no, no. the little I mean, mobile just, conveyor? Uh, uh, a yeah, mobile just, conveyor belt? No, you drive this, is it up and- this is just fake anger right now. I mean, I, I, okay. loved, I loved my job. but um, And then the other thing that the marshaller does as on the ramp, a lot of times we also do the lab service. Yeah. And uh, this oh, I've is thought my... about that. Trust me. I did not put lab service on my list. Okay. But this <laughs> is something the marshaller does after their lightsabers and they bring the pretty plane. <laughs> yeah. But I think I made it very clear that I just want to cherry pick. <laughs> the, the best parts about each job. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, for all those rampers listening that also do lab service or anyone yeah. airport worker, the first thing they tell you is when you open when you open it, you stand to the mm-hmm. side uh, of yeah. it, right when you drain it because the little what they call a donut might not be in. That's a little cap. Right. So what do I do first day? I stand right below it and open it. There and was it no dumps. donut, so yeah. I got a shower of all kinds uh, of interesting yeah. stuff so i was uh, i was okay. i was on a i was on a plane once that 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 happened to we we asked for live servicing they hadn't been there yet they showed mm-hmm. up and it dumped all over the guy and i felt so bad God. and then the and then we broke and so we stepped mm-hmm. to the spare so we grabbed all of our stuff went down the stairs went to the plane right next to us to the spare and this poor dude is still standing out in the sun in this mm-hmm. puddle of green, uh, blue, brown, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, things floating, <laughs> floating across the tarmac. And I'm like, sorry, dude, thanks. Thanks for coming and clearing the lab. But we're going to we're going to go 
take this hot rod out for the day. <laughs> we felt so bad, but I mean, there's nothing you can do. It happens. It, it happens. It, it usually happens to the rampers once because you learn mm -hmm. very quickly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can imagine. And I, I tell people to be kind to their rampers because it's not an it's easy job. job. It is not an easy job. And uh, they're out there making it work in all kinds of weather. So I have yeah. nothing but respect for what uh, what goes on out there. So but now, I, what are the other know, jobs that you think are like the best thing? <laughs> well, so I think another one was de-icer, not because uh, it's fun being out there in an open bucket getting glycol and snow all <laughs> over you, but just the idea of zooming around, spraying airplanes down. Sounds like fun. No, they, the people that do it at my airport, they love it. They thrive yeah. on it. They, they actually bid for those positions to mm -hmm. do that. And really? now, I don't know if you've seen this, Doug, some of the de-icers, it is not bad. They're in a, they're in a little the closed cab, closed, mm -hmm. heated. And then we also get a mobile lounge from the airport. So when they're taking a break, they can go on the, mobile, go the lounge mobile lounge and it's yeah. like a little break room and we provide them hot chocolate and i've seen some, not a bad some, gig. some great plane spotting accounts uh on on twitter and instagram of de-icers de uh, of, of people in the cabs when they're not actually actively spraying a plane in front of them they have mm -hmm. photos they take of all the other airplanes around and no, i agree with jen i mean I, I think that would be kind of fun that would but i'm fun. sure I, you've I got a story that. for us drew uh, what on the de-icers yeah Oh yeah, I got a story for you. <laughs> <So> <laughs> okay, let's hear it. You're a de-icer, and this is like ten years ago when we didn't have the heated little enclosed de-ice trucks, right? Mm -hmm. So we were de-icing three triple sevens going to Europe. I think one was going to Dubai, and it was ice and freezing rain. Mm -hmm. And as a pilot, you know, freezing rain means game over. Mm -hmm. We de-iced those triple sevens three times, and after three hours, we're like, God, every time we're done. In that's ice again and yeah. I, those poor guys i mean they were running out of glycol it was mm -hmm. like a no-win situation and finally the director said no game over let's bring everything back and to cancel these flights so that's like two thousand people in mm -hmm. the terminal but i think people understood because they saw what was going on and it was just a, a really it's bad dangerous situation. yeah yeah, yeah, so that's Absolutely. my real life Safety story. Yes. But in general, Jen, that is a fun job. And, yeah. you know, the snow recently has been light. So the plane comes in, they do their thing. And then in 10, 15 minutes, it's out and it just moves like clockwork. And it's a really yep. beautiful thing to watch. Yep, I agree. And it's like, a I don't know if you've seen that. It reminds me of a ballet. You know, yeah. the two de-ice trucks and they're spraying the plane and they have, you know, the movements of the spray and the way Two they do Two de-ice trucks on the same plane? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We're living in luxury over where you are. <laughs> three. Three <laughs> on a triple seven. Oh, my Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. It's uh, it's one. One truck. One truck per airplane. So it takes a little bit longer. Most FBOs are run by separate companies, but at the cargo airport, the airport authority runs the FBO down there. And so uh, the airport authority via that FBO is responsible for the de-icing that happens at the cargo airport. And I did talk to the guys about de-icing. And there was one guy who really doesn't like the enclosed de-icer. Really? I, he seemed he to think to it, just was, it just was harder to see. I visibility. Think, his argument. Oh, yeah. Because the visibility at wasn't great yep and mm -hmm. then he was hanging his head out the window and he was okay. like i might as well just be in the open bucket hmm. oh i got yeah especially if it's not too cold you know if it's 35 yeah. 40 it's not that bad yeah right 
Any, anything else or do you mind if we move on to the the next topic oh come on let's talk starstrucks well we're we're, we're gonna get we're, let's save it let's get oh, to okay. that because that's that's coming up okay so top, top gear did an airport vehicle race which was hilarious yeah. if you guys haven't seen it you have to look it up it is so funny jen yeah. explain this video to the listeners and then tell us which vehicle you would choose i i I think that everyone knows at this point we've talked yeah, about it, it's, but it's it, pretty explain, obvious. explain the, the race <laughs> and then tell us what, yeah. what you would choose. So yeah, go to YouTube and just search top gear airport vehicles and it'll come right up. Basically uh, they closed off a section of airport and they took out a whole bunch of different airport vehicles. <laughs> I mean, they had a fuel truck, they had a fire truck, they had an airplane <laughs> tug, they had a baggage tug, they had the stairs truck. And then they put race car drivers in them. I think that's one of the key elements. Like, you know, you need to bring in your Dale Earnhardt Juniors and uh, and to drive a stair. Yeah. So they put a bunch of race car drivers in them and turned them loose, and uh, it's pretty hilarious. I definitely, I can't really do it justice trying to tell it. So I just have to tell people to go and look. Um, I love the stairs truck. I'm sorry, I just do. It's a truck with stairs on it. And come on. <laughs> It's so freaking cool. Now the stairs truck, I will say it comes to a bad end. It's uh, it's uh, a little yeah. top heavy. <laughs> so going around the corners, so it's uh, getting up on two, two wheels and eventually it tipped over. So yeah, it wasn't the best race vehicle, but it's still really cool. It, uh, it gives you access to airplanes, which is really awesome. But then when it's ready to retire from its uh, aviation career, you can take it home. You can use it for apple picking. Mm-hmm think about it you just drive up under That's the tree point. and walk mm -hmm. up your steps you can take it to concerts you know where you have the lawn Better. seats you park <laughs> that sucker movie. in the back drive-in movie mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh a drive-in movie <laughs> absolutely airplane spotting so, yeah oh yeah airplane spotting <laughs> you don't yeah. yeah you don't need a ladder to get over the fence no. yeah no there's all have kinds you, of painting think about it there's all kinds of uses so. have you guys seen the show arrested development or did you watch it back I in the, the early 2000s I have not, but I'm very familiar with, with the, the stair, stairs the truck, stair truck and from hop on. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So all all I could think about as I was prepping for this and, and reading yeah. through the script was the Bluth family stair yeah. truck yeah. That, that that they had. It was an airplane stair truck, and that was like it, the truck itself was like a character in the show. And the show was yeah. only like three three seasons long, but this airplane or airport stair truck was like a character in the show, and it was yeah. great. That's all. I and I never about. saw the show. I just developed my passion for stairs trucks uh, in independent of that. And <laughs> I have never, I have not had the opportunity to drive one yet. I've been able to sit in one. That was as far as they would let me go. <laughs> like I told you, they, they're on to me. So the, uh, the <laughs> FBO people and the airfield people, they keep all that stuff locked up. Um, I even had the legal department. I was walking down the hallway one day and the lady from legal was there. And I was like, well, I'm going down to the FBO today. She's like, oh, yeah, what are you doing down there? It's like, oh, I want to drive the stairs truck. She's like, no, it's not allowed. <laughs> Darn it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just dig them. And I've written several pieces on them. Uh, I mean, really? I, and I distinguished between the truck, which is my favorite, but then you also have motorized stairs. So that's not a truck, but it's mm. the stairs that you can drive. Mm -hmm. And then you just have the mobile stairs, which is basically just a staircase of wheels. Mm. Yeah. So you've got you've got a whole pantheon of, <laughs> of stairs. And uh, the truck for me is at the top. Just real quickly, Drew, what would you choose? 
Oh, easy. I would choose that Douglas push tug because mm-hmm. you know that has the most power. That's That's that was mine too. Yeah, Yeah, one of the big tugs just for the power because you're Mm -hmm. never going to drive something that can pull a 800,000 pound thing like that. Yeah. Yeah, but just one more thing. It has a lot of power, but does it have a lot of speed? I mean, probably not so much. No, but do stair trucks have a lot of speed? No, probably. No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So we're we're going for something fun here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we move to this next topic, so in the show notes for this, uh, we are going to have that video. You guys okay. all have to watch it. And we're also yeah, going to have a link. Do. Yeah, we're also going to have a link to uh, Jen's article on this. So it's hilarious. All right, moving on to another article that Jen wrote. It's called Radioactive. And she talks about how she was trying to help the ops department manage the de-ice pad on frosty mornings. And this yeah. process involved getting into a truck or a car, a vehicle of some sort, getting out on the tarmac, on the taxiways, and, and having to talk on the radio. Yeah. New air traffic control to the other airplane. So first of all, <laughs> tell us about when they let you out on the de-ice pad. I know. They're crazy, aren't they? God yeah. They, but they, they made sure that the wands were locked up before they yeah, let you go de-ice. They didn't let me anywhere near the wands. <laughs> no. Um, so this is a few years ago now. Uh, operations, it didn't take them long to figure out that I was completely crazy about airplanes and airports. And they... Uh, actually approached my boss and said, hey, you know, if she's interested in um, this other opportunity, we're looking to train another person on de-ice pad management. So at uh, at the passenger airport, most of the time the ramp is uncontrolled. Uh, so we do not have a ramp controller directing the planes. Mm. And most of the time, if you uh, as a pilot need to have your plane de-iced, you're going to coordinate that with your de-ice teams and they'll get you onto the the de-ice pad. However, during morning push, when you have so many flights that are going out all at the same time, um, or if it's an active snow event, uh, airport operations will take over the de-ice pad and they will take responsibility for directing traffic. And that's just to make sure that there's a good flow, that they're getting planes into and out of the pad safely and as efficiently as possible. So um, that's what they were training me on. Basically, you get into an airport ops vehicle. It's got a radio. And you drive out there onto the pad. And um, you talk to ATC. And they'll update the ATIS to let all the pilots know that, hey, the de-ice pad is activated. And if you want to go out to it, this is the number to call. And then they'll call you up and say, hey, you know, we're pushing back. We want to come on over. And you just give them instructions, tell them where to park. Sometimes, especially with some of the mainline flights, you might have pilots that aren't familiar with the airport, aren't familiar with the de-ice pad. And in that case, you might act as a follow me for them, mm-hmm. just to show them how to get out there, show them you know, where you want them to position on the line. So that's what I was training to do. I got to tell airplanes where to go. That was fun. I, I liked what you said that you listened to um, live ATC to learn. Yeah. To learn how to do that, mm-hmm. my my wife and friends make fun of me because uh, we'll have a fire outside and I'll use flight radar. I'll yeah. see the airplanes flying over us and I'll pull up live ATC and listen. And I've got yeah. a buddy who's a pharmacist and he's like, "Well, I don't listen to people filling prescriptions every day. Like when I leave work, I leave boring. Well, what I, I'm like, yeah, but but exactly. this is so it's much more exciting. fun. And they're like, yeah. no, that's not fun. This is really boring. <laughs> they're not well, at least though." 
Yeah, for me, listening to live ATC just to help me to understand that you don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You right. just want to be clear. And if you need to ask questions, it's okay to ask questions. I think it feels really intimidating. And especially when you've got five flights pushing back all at once and you're sitting on the ground in a truck, you're not up in a tower. So you can't necessarily see where they're coming from. So you have to have Mm -hmm. this mental picture of where are they pushing back from? Who else is around them? What direction are they coming in from? And it's not just the planes that are coming out there to de-ice, but you also um, are responsible for anybody that needs to cross through that area. So you'll have planes coming over from the maintenance hangars that want to reposition to a gate. Mm-hmm. And so you're having to also work them into the flow because obviously you don't want to end up with two planes nose to nose because mm-hmm. then somebody's got to come out there with a tug and Drew, yeah, because Drew wants to drive the tug. <laughs> then Drew, yeah, so Drew would be angry. Yeah, keep me I away from that. that. Just like Jen, keep me away from equipment. But now, so is this de-ice area, is it right near the runway so that they get de-iced and then they get right yes, on the runway? Yes, it is. It's right near. So we have two parallel runways, two eight and then one zero. And it's right there by the two eights. There is another separate space where they could de-ice if we were using the other runways. Mm. But because of... Uh, just most of the time we're on the t- the two eights. So being where it is, it's right there. You de-ice and bam, you're right there on mm-hmm. the runway and you go um, so that you're not having to worry too much about holdover time with the fluids. Okay. So I'm impressed you knew the runway numbers because most yeah. finance people have no idea. Oh, what I know. They are. Or they would say, most yeah, finance 28. people are like, oh, it's got wings. Yeah. They, so they would say r- runway 28. <laughs> Instead of two eight, oh, and you, yeah. you got that from listening yeah. to to live ATC. So I, yeah. I applaud yeah, you. Just, Great job. I'm an aviation nerd. That's that's <laughs> why it makes me crazy when people call them the twenty eights. It's just, yeah. no, it's, it's two eights. <laughs> two eights. All right. Now um, speaking of yeah. radio, <laughs> Jen, tell us some things we can you can say and can't say on ATC. Yeah, if Southwest calls me and asks or calls whoever's running the de-ice pad and asks if they can push back, you can say, push back at your discretion, give me a call when you're ready to taxi. You cannot say, hey, Southwest, how fast do you taxi anyway? <laughs> Should we explain that one? We all have quickly? that question. <laughs> so for, for, those, would... for those who don't know, Southwest is known as taxiing very fast. It's safe. <laughs> But it is very fast. And and a lot of people in the industry make comments about how quickly Southwest taxi. They taxi like how people drive. Yeah. Like they're just seem so yeah. comfortable just whizzing around the taxi. Yeah. Yeah. They're on a mission. They got places to be and things <laughs> yeah. to get done and they're uh, staying on it. Um, so then another example would be uh, hey, Delta, contact ground on 121.9. Let them know that you're leaving the north side of the pad. I could say that, but I could not say, yo, can I borrow your stairs truck? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, but I can't. I'm not allowed. So, yeah, and then you, 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 you had one more in the article, which yeah. it, it's already been done. So you can't undo it, but I know. Drew and I, we love this airplane. So t- mm-hmm. tell us, tell us this last one. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So you can say, Hey, American 456 taxi eastbound via the ramp, but you can't say, please don't retire the mad dog. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think if you said that, that would be acceptable because <laughs> we all have the mad dog wherever you work in our aviation. 
Yeah. And as an accountant, I'm not allowed to say, hey, you guys still owe your landing fees from last month. Can I have your credit card number? (laughs) Not allowed to say that either. Yeah. Now you talked about the runway numbers and, you know, I was impressed by that. So just to give you an example, not everyone understands that, but they see it on the, we have the radar in, in the office and we have Mm -hmm. the connect planners who are customer service agents. They plan the connections. So they know that if the plane's coming straight in and not having to do a U-turn, their connections are going to make it right. So this one will walk up to me. It's like, Andrew, are we landing up or down? I'm like, what? Like, are we landing up or down? I hope we're landing down. We're landing up. Yeah. Which means we're landing north to her, you know. Uh, (laughs) And she's like, okay, good. Our connections will make it. It's funny, but that's that's a valid valid question. I know, like, places like Dallas, they say north flow or south flow. Mm -hmm. And and part of that is because they have multiple parallel runways. So you can't say it's on the two eights and the two nines. That's just too much. Right. But she's not saying, are we landing? No, I know that. Yeah, I know. It's like up or down on on the map. Yeah, that's so funny. All right. Yeah, so that was was quite an experience. I'm like super excited that I got to do it. And, um, you know, I got to know the ops guys. And, uh, you know, they let me come out and take pictures of A350s from the ramp. (laughs) You know, you're, um, everyone go check uh, Jen's website. It's uh, Tales from the Terminal. Yeah, talesfromtheterminal.com. Your writing is just like the way you talk. It's very enjoyable. It's very light and you can breeze through it and it's fun stories. And it's Thank from you. someone who has a real love for aviation. And it's it was nice to read that because it's like, okay, this is probably how excited I was when I they let me, let me out on the ramp. Great pictures too. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I take a camera with me to work every day. Yeah, really. You never know. You never know what's going to show up. So I always (laughs) got to have that camera just in case. Any last few stories before we wrap up? No, I mean, I think we've really covered most of it just in terms of, um, you know, I could go on all day. How many hours do you want your podcast to be? (laughs) I'm the one who has to edit it after the Super Bowl tonight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll we'll stop it there. But anybody who's interested, definitely check out the blog and check out my Twitter account. And I'm on Instagram also. It's Tales from the Terminal. And you can see uh, my airplane pictures and get a, a sense of what's going on on any given day. See who's dropped by if we've had any interesting visitors. Yep. And like I said, we are going to have um, all of Jen's information on um, nextripnetwork.com. So you can link to her blog and that cool video about the, um, the, the ground equipment. All right. Well, Jen, having you on as a new Av geek helps us old ones remember why we love aviation so much. So well, thank you thank for sharing you. your love for the industry and telling us your stories, Jen. Thanks yeah. so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks, Jen. This was a blast. And again, for the listeners, you can follow her on Twitter at Jen underscore Niffer. That's at J-E-N-N underscore N-I-F-F-E-R. You can also find her articles at talesfromternal.com. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nextripnetwork.com and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it. Or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show.
Hey, Doug, we should go back. So this um, among the decor touches, mm -hmm. can you retape just that paragraph? Because you said decor touches. I did. Among the decor touches, which JetBlue refers to as residential. I think it was written as touches, wasn't it? It is. No, it was well, decor. It, it looks, it looks, it looks that like... way because of the way it touches, but see. it looks like touche. I, I think it looks that, that way because decor had the accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. It's with the jet blues. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is touches. Yeah, you're right. But I think for whatever reason, I was like, let's go French on this. <laughs> All right. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. So. <laughs> I was like, so I was like, wow, did they really say touche, uh, decor touche is like touche. <laughs> Even as I read it, I was, like, I was like, this is kind of weird. Touche, United, <laughs> this, look at our decor. This will be a, a good outtake. All right, I'm going to reread this real quick. Among the decor touches, which JetBlue refers to as residential, 